Welcome to our latest episode of EV Life. I'm your host, Crystal Maharaj. We're so happy to have you listening today as we keep digging into all the big questions about EVs that Albertans have. And one of the most important things to consider when you're making the switch to an EV or considering making a switch to an EV is that you'll need to charge it. Joining me today to chat about our guest on this topic is EV Life producer, Allison Bench. Hi, Crystal. So this episode, like you were saying, uh, it's all about electric and specifically we're talking about Alberta's electric grid and how that might be affected um, by more and more EVs needing charges. It's such an important topic to get into. And, And I think just that as soon as you start considering it, you know, people think range anxiety, people wonder about the cold weather. Right. But then there's also, where are you going to charge it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So some of the questions that come up when we're talking about charging is what level of charger should you use? And what should you consider if you're looking to install a charger at your own home? Right. And like I said, it's beyond the individual. I think just thinking of as more people move towards switching how is our overall electric grid in the province going to be affected? Can it handle it? Exactly. Well, lucky for us, we have many organizations and individuals out there who are working on, you know, getting the answers to these questions. And we have two great interviews for you today. Right. So firstly, we talked to one of our province's energy providers. We're going to be speaking to EPCOR. And then later on the episode, we're going to talk to Aviv Freed, a Calgary-based public policy researcher, and he's aiming to kind of dig into and learn more about working towards solving problems related to grid usage as more people adopt EVs. Yeah. So like you mentioned, two really great conversations. So let's just dive right into my first conversation with Chris Chapelsky, the Senior Manager for Grid Transformation with EPCOR. Well, thank you for joining me today, Chris. I... I'm obviously so excited to talk to you about EVs and what EPCOR is doing in that space. But before we even get into some of these deeper questions, I just want to talk about considerations that people who are looking to buy an EV might want to to think about before making that big purchase. So can you tell us some of those um, electricity related considerations that people need to be aware of? Yeah, for sure. So um I think the best thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about getting a plug-in vehicle is uh, where you're going to charge it. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to charge inside your garage or if you're going to park it on a pad outside, um, you need to be able to uh, have a a charger reach it if you're going to charge at home. Um, If you're going to decide to just make use of public charging, um, that's okay too. Is that something that um, I don't know if you've spoken to people who are considering buying EVs. So is that something that people do like where they don't necessarily have the charging capacity at home? And so they would just make use of public chargers. So uh, at EPCOR, we've uh, been talking to both uh, staff that have EVs and uh, making connections in the different communities here in Edmonton and uh, learning about um, um, how people like to charge their vehicles or what they're figuring out works for them. Um, We've actually come across a few folks that uh, um, just make use of public charging. Oh, interesting. I wasn't aware of that. So I'm just wondering if you can tell us, because I I believe there are three types of chargers. Are you able to explain the difference between those levels? Oh, yeah. And there's a little bit of technical jargon, so (laughs) it's kind of understandable why uh, it might not make sense if you just say level one or level two. 
So um, the best way to explain it is let's uh, uh, to talk about the two extremes. So a level one um, charger, that's like a trickle charger. Um, okay. That has a similar kind of plug to a normal uh, lamp or an appliance. It'll just work in any 120 volt outlet. Um, and uh, that's what you would just plug it to. Typically, there's like a block charger um, right. outlet in your garage or near the front of your house. Um, and that'll charge your car slowly. Um, and typically, if you just have a, a light driving kind of style, um, if you leave it overnight, you're typically full in the morning. Okay. Um, on the other extreme, a level three, that's uh, the, the DC rapid fast chargers. And those are the, the kind of chargers that you typically find at like the free or public charging sites. And they're designed to charge at the fastest possible rate or the highest power. Um, so you could uh, recover hundreds of kilometers of range in just a few minutes. Um, and then uh, level two is in the middle. Okay. Yeah. So level two is sort of the halfway um, a level two, it makes use of the same kind of plug that like a, a washing machine or a dryer would use. Okay. The, those uh, big uh, 240 volt plugs in a household setting. Mm -hmm. um, you might see them in some garages as well for welding. Right. Yeah. So if you uh, use a level two charger, that's sort of in between the two extremes. And so most homes come equipped with, you know, prepared to for with a level one charger. And then... What about level two? Do you have to get that installed? Is your house already equipped for that? So um, from our understanding, so other, obviously at Upcore, we don't sell cars. Right. Uh, but from our understanding, most vehicles come with a trickle charger um, okay. once you buy them. So the 120 volt level one. And, and that's so that, um, you know, a, a new uh, vehicle owner can plug it in um, at any right. outlet they might have available. If you want to get a level two charger, um, that typically requires mm -hmm. that dedicated 240 volt socket um, to be available. So if you don't have one already in your home, uh, in your garage, uh, the best thing to do is to ask an electrician to install one. Right. Okay. So you would have to basically have an electrician come out and see if you have it and then they could potentially install it. But are all homes able to handle a level two charger? So something to understand about um, how the home's electrical system works um, is that uh, over time, um, the size of the electrical panel and the service that feeds that panel has grown over the decades as we've started to use more and more electricity. Right. So if you think about the 50s and 60s, you know, we had a 60 amp service and uh, maybe like eight, eight little fuses or breakers. Um, in, the, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, we, we standardized on a 100 amp, those typical bigger panels with lots of switches. So you can have lots of circuits in your home. Um, and then uh, the latest is uh, going up to 200 amps. Um, the reason I'm explaining this is because, uh, yeah, to get a, a dedicated 240 volt plug in your garage depends on what kind of electrical system your home has. Okay, so not all homes will be able to accommodate a level two charger. Most homes should be able to, okay. based on what we've seen. Um, so we've been analyzing at Epcor the different... Um, uh, types of load additions an EV charger really represents to a home. Mm -hmm. um, and what we found is that if you have a 100 amp uh, service, typically you can have one very large uh, high draw appliance and a high draw or high load appliance is like a hot tub or an EV charger. So if you've, if you've already got a hot tub <laughs> and you have a 100 amp service, um, your electrician might recommend um, an upgrade, Yeah, but there are also um, alternatives, um, and so the, the EV uh, 
home uh, management systems. Right. And I wanted to ask about that because you mentioned um, EPCOR has something about this on their website, the Electric Vehicle Energy Management System. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about that? Those are devices that uh, um, we've noticed uh, on the market um, and they're working for some customers. Mm -hmm. And what they do is uh, if you install them in your home, and again, an electrician would do this, uh, it allows you to share an already existing circuit that's taking up space in your panel. Okay. Um, so that it, that load can be shared between the EV charger and something else. So um, they can be really simple devices that just uh, switch, you know, mm-hmm. between an electric stove and an EV charger, or they can be much more uh, complex, you know, with a dedicated app and Bluetooth and fancy right. features. Um, but it's a great way for, or it's a great device uh, as an alternative to say upgrading your electrical panel or doing some significant work in your home to accommodate an extra um, EV plug. And level three, can you get this installed at your home or no? At the home, no. Okay, so those uh, are just the public chargers. Yeah, it has to do with uh, uh, the scale of the power. Okay. Yeah, so um, to the typical home in Edmonton would uh, have the right kind of electric infrastructure feeding it um, for the high power levels that a level three charger would use. Okay. And if someone were interested in installing the EVEMS, I think I got that acronym right, um, they would just have to reach out to an electrician or is that something that um, the electricity companies can assist with? Uh, so um, EPCOR's role um, in in the city is a, as a public utility, um, especially within uh, EPCOR Distribution and Transmission Inc., we do the power system wires um, Mm -hmm. from the transmission all the way to the customers, but we typically don't do work inside of homes. Um, What we're just trying to do is make that information available for for people in Edmonton um, who are interested in EVs so that they know it's an option. So what are some charging-related considerations a potential EV owner um, needs to be aware of before making that big purchase? You know, if you're thinking about uh, buying a plug-in vehicle, um, the first thing you uh, should think about is where you're going to plug it in. So um, whether that's going to be in your garage or on an outside pad, or if you're going to periodically make use of public charging, um, figure out, uh, you know, where you're going to charge it. And then um, uh, look into the kind of charger that comes with the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Typically, we're looking at um, the trickle chargers, um, the level one chargers, but um, if you're if you're not sure, uh, the best thing you can do is ask an electrician to come have a look. Right. They'd be able to uh, give uh, any homeowner the best advice about where an outlet could be, if they want it to be an, um, a dedicated outlet just for the EV, mm-hmm. or if uh, uh, the homeowner would like to pursue like a 240-volt type of plug that you could use for level two charging. Right. So it, it would probably be a good idea just to get that expert in and just know beforehand if you will need to upgrade or make any purchases for charging needs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The last thing you want to do is be surprised after the fact. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah. We've gone out and we've spoken to people who are EV enthusiasts, and we've also spoken to people who are a little bit more skeptical about purchasing an EV. And a concern that's come up from both groups, I would say, is whether or not Alberta's existing power grid can really handle um, a large portion of the population owning EVs. So is this 
a misplaced concern? Are we <laughs> kind of just fearful for no reason? Or, you know, does, does it make sense to have that concern? And I think the answer is a little bit uh, not what you would expect. Earlier, I mentioned that over time, um, we gradually increased the sizes of the electrical panels and the service sizes in homes as people started using more electricity and the power grid had to grow with that. Right. So um, as the city of Edmonton has grown up, the power grid has had to grow as well. So when we're talking about EVs, the question is, um, you know, everybody's not going to go out and tomorrow and buy an EV. Right. It's going to happen over time. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking at um, in EPCOR is well, how much additional electrical load does that place on the system? And do we, do we need to make any changes or not? So um, right now, we do support charging. Um, people charge their vehicles uh, in the city of Edmonton. Um, as people adopt more EVs, we'll see that electric load slowly grow. And, you know, this is what we do as an electric utility is we track how much load is, is being served by the power system, continually evalu- evaluating, you know, is the mm. infrastructure sufficient, then make plans to upgrade if we need to. Um, so the kind of growth um, in the electric load that we can anticipate from EVs um, isn't uh, um, something that's abnormal in the history of the power system. Right. So we we can kind of you know, rest assured a little bit that we're not going to completely overwhelm the grid. Yeah, no, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's any uh, risk of that. Right. So when people are sort of voicing their fear over the, the power grid, I think they're talking about, you know, if everybody were to go out and buy an EV tomorrow, but like you said, that's obviously not going to happen. But what if I live in a neighborhood where a large portion of my neighborhood the homeowners own EVs. Is that, um, does that become problematic with our existing infrastructure? Is that, is that something that has come up yet or? The clustering effect, I think is what Uh you're talking about. If there's pockets of, of EV charging. So, um, that we would just call that like a high load area. Um, and it, and if we need to change any pieces of infrastructure to serve that area, we can, um, a good uh, uh, something something that I think uh, people might be interested to know is that um, you know EPCOR has been investing in a lot of uh, really um, um, awesome modern um, tools to help us monitor the load in the power grid and plan uh, or and identify where we might need to intervene. Um, and uh, you know we can we can leverage those tools uh, to monitor where we see hot spots mm-hmm. um, to decide if we need to say, upgrade a service transformer or something like that. So what I'm hearing from you is the power companies are on top of this. You all are aware of the trends and there's always going to be upgrades and um, just assurances that we're not going to wake up one day and then not have any power because we've overwhelmed the system. Yeah, um, I mean, the uh, uh, EV load is, um, like I said, it's, it's electric load, just mm-hmm. like air conditioning load. Just like, you know, the, the lighting load. So um, it's something that this is what uh, a company like us, like an electricity company, this is what we do. Um, we build the infrastructure to serve. Them. So, Chris, how much of a difference can shifting our charging patterns have on grid capacity? Obviously, uh, the electricity system has to serve the load um, all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the different times of the day, 
um, will have different amount of load on the system. So in Edmonton, for example, um, our peak usage is between 4 and 8 p.m. That's typically when everybody gets home and they Mm -hmm. start making supper, they turn on lights and different things like that. So um, the the reason I mention this is because um, if there's a concern about, say, you know, you're using too much uh, uh, electricity during those peak hours, there's room outside of those hours in the infrastructure uh, for more charging load. So um, a good good advice is if you charge your EV while you sleep, um, there's hardly any electricity load in the the middle of the night. So there's lots of room for lots of EV charging on the system. Right. So depending on where and when EVs are charged can have different effects. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that we definitely take into account uh, when we plan the electricity grid. But currently... It's not looking like it's a major weight on the the power grid. If we look at any of the data we have um, up in our power system, um, you can't really see the EV load at all. Right. Um, there's only a few thousand vehicles right now. Yeah. So we're also tracking um, year over year how many vehicles are being registered in Edmonton uh, that are EVs and plug-ins, um, and uh, you know we're we're monitoring for. Um, with our different systems, like high loads emerging in neighborhoods that right. typically didn't have those loads before. So we're, we're able to very accurately um, see where there, there might be higher load that we, that we need to evaluate the infrastructure for. So. so a good practice might just be plug in your EVs to charge overnight while you're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, uh, it seems to work the best. Yeah. Um, most vehicles can have a timer set in them. Okay. So when you get home, you uh, just plug in your vehicle. Right. Um, so that you don't have to remember to come outside later and plug it in. Which is helpful in the winter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then the vehicle itself will start charging itself um, either at midnight or 2 a.m., whatever you set it for. Um, and there's some vehicles that you can uh, ask them to start charging so that they are fully charged by a certain time in the morning. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's nice and convenient. Yeah, pretty neat tech. And then depending if you get a EV EMS, there's also options there to do smart charging or coordinated charging. Um, but right now, like the advice that we would just give um, Albertans is uh, um, just try out the trickle charger. Mm-hmm. If you're just an average kind of driver, um, if you're a more heavy user, you might want to look into that home level two uh, charger. Um But uh, yeah, you shouldn't need to do too much to make EV work. Chris, thank you so much for coming and talking to me today. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about what EPCOR is doing in this space? Um, Yeah, so um, it's just good to note that uh, this conversation, um, understanding, you know, uh, what EVs really are, um, what kind of uh, potential changes uh, utilities might have to make in the future. Mm -hmm. This is a really hot topic in our industry right now. Because, like uh, we discussed earlier, it's new. Yeah. Um, and we want to be sure that, you know, we're doing our job um, and, and serving electricity to customers. So um, we have, um, we're, we're populating information on our website, epcor.com mm-hmm. um, slash EV charger. Uh, so as, as we go with uh, figuring out good advice or information um, for residents of Edmonton, we're going to populate that to website with good info. So it's, Um, Good for our folks to check it out. And we will link to that if anybody is interested. There is a lot of really good information on that website, including um, a bit of info on the EVEMS, which is the energy management system that we discussed earlier. Thank you so much. 
So that was my conversation with Chris Chapelski from Epcor. There was so much good information in that chat, and I hope you enjoyed it. So much for people to consider if they're eyeing an EV and possibly their own charger. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, we understand not everybody's going to be rushing out and buying an EV right away. But the next few years, we are definitely expecting to see more and more of them appearing on Alberta's roads. Yeah. And one of the things that Chris mentioned that we wanted to expand further on is the idea of charging patterns and how important that can be for grid capacity. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, like Chris touched on, like you said, it's if everybody plugs in at the same time, yes, we're going to see some major peaking when it comes to uh, use of electricity. But if there's a way or an incentive to charge at times where there's lower demand, that could help so much with managing that stress on the grid. Yeah. So our next guest is Aviv Freed, who is a researcher and recent graduate of the Master of Public Policy program at the University of Calgary. He's currently working on projects to help solve problems related to electric charging integration and grid modernization. So let's hear that conversation. Hi, Aviv. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So we, I kind of stumbled upon you um, from an article that you wrote for CBC about managing Alberta's charging grid as more and more people sort of adopt EVs. Part of the article, you talked about findings on a charging patterns study that you conducted for the University of Calgary. So are you able to tell me a little bit about that study and what the findings were? Yeah, so the study was uh, from a sample of EV owners in Calgary, and uh, the data that we had was charging data. Mm -hmm. Um, So we looked at when charging occurred, how long the charging um, happened, and um, what what kind of energy did they use for charging. We didn't have um, any um, information about driving so it was purely about charging when do, when do people charge yeah and um, what kind of behavior that um, we can find from this so I guess our main finding which was not surprising this is uh, similar to a lot of other um, studies that's been done on this that most people come home and um, plug their EV in the afternoon. So okay. without any change of behavior, any incentives or any um, way of kind of trying to incentivize that people usually come home after work and they charge their, they plug in their car and they leave it plugged in overnight until they go home. So in our study, we found that about 50% of the charging happen um in the afternoon started between 3 and 8 p.m. So that wasn't a surprise. Usually that was, wasn't a surprise. Usually people... Charge when they get home? Yeah, 80% of charging happen at home and most of them happen in the afternoon. Um, the other part that we found, the other um, findings that we, that we had from the study was that um, much more interesting for us and that that usually the the length of the actual charge was just over two hours. Um, So, but the cars were actually, vehicles were actually connected for about 15 hours. So if you think about people coming home around 5 p.m., then they leave again for work around 8 p.m. the next day. If they didn't go out during the night, that's about 15 hours worth of time where the car or the vehicle was connected. Right. But the actual 
charge, the actual charging happens just, it, it just takes about two hours on average. So people are just plugging in and not thinking about it until they need to drive again. Yeah, yeah. So they, they come in, their battery is usually a certain percentage, usually it's not empty. And they plug it in, and if it's just starting to charge right away, it takes about two hours, and then the charging ends, but the vehicle is still connected. So that's interesting for us because it tells us that there is a, a long period of time where the vehicle is connected, but it's actually not charges, not charged, and it allows for um, demand response. Basically, it allows the driver or somebody else to decide when will the charge happen within these 15 hours. It doesn't have to happen immediately when people come home. It could happen a lot later in in the day or during the night. So you talk about um, like incentives for managing the high demands on the grid. Um, And you kind of alluded to that a little bit. Um, But what specifically, what types of incentives do you think would work? So, there's different studies on this and different like other parts of the world there are incentives that that do that that basically aim to do that so a lot of jurisdictions have what's called a time of use rate where you pay for electricity um based on time and it could be either during the day mm. where you pay less for electricity during the night for example or during the mid the midday or it could be also yearly. So you 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 might pay lower rates during the summer when the demand is relatively low, or during the winter. It depends where you are. If you, right. If you're in a jurisdiction, they use a lot of air condition. For example, summer um, is higher. So time of use um, has been used as incentives for people to move their usage of electricity and for EV, that makes sense. So if you tell people you'll pay a lot less if you charge your car at two in the morning mm-hmm. and somehow you can program your your vehicle to start charging at two in the morning, then you'll do that. Um, but other studies show that people will respond to even just the request for, for doing that. So um, we, in, in the CBC article, there was an example of a uh, um, an occurrence in California where in the, last, in the summer they had a, um, a peak demand and they basically send a text message kind of similar to the text alert that we get in Alberta. Right. Um, and asking people just to shut down their electricity because they're running out of power. And people did. Um, so it's not always um, a monetary incentive. Sometimes it's just information Right. Provided to people saying we have a problem, help us. So you kind of talk about programming your car to start charging at two. Does that technology exist? Are we are people able to do that? Or is that sort of like in an ideal world, um, companies really need to start developing that sort of technology where you can say, I'm going to plug my car in before I go to bed, but I can program it so it doesn't actually start charging until, you know, one of those low peak times. Yeah. That exists for some vehicles. So Tesla, for example, has that on their vehicle. Not all vehicles have it, but also um, some chargers have it. So um, charging your electric vehicle, there are three levels of chargers. Mm -hmm. Um, Level one is kind of the basic one when you plug your your vehicle into a regular um, outlet. 
and you can install in your house a, char- a level two charger that is more um, it's faster charging. And a lot of this charger will come with an app that you can um, program your vehicle to charge at a certain time. So that technology definitely exists already. Okay. Um, what what doesn't exist is a, a, a way for the utility companies to actually stop and start your charging. So people can do that individually for their own chargers, but there's no way for, let's say, a utility company to decide, okay, this section of the city has too many EVs right now. I'm going to shut it down um, and I'm going to start it again at 2 in the morning. That, that technology doesn't exist yet. Or I think it's starting. There are some companies that, are talking about that and offering this kind of idea to utilities, but I don't know if it's actually been implemented yet. That's interesting. So are you saying that we really need the electricity companies to develop that technology? Because I I wonder though, would would that kind of upset people if, you know, the electricity company just turns off their <laughs> their charging at certain times? In an ideal world, um, if you say, I need my car to be ready for 7 o'clock tomorrow morning fully charged, and tonight I'm not going to go anywhere and I don't care when it happens. Right. If the utility company can decide for you when to do it and will incentivize you by telling you you're going to pay less, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will, will, will take this option. But, you know, the way it's probably eventually going to work is you will opt in for this if you want it, but you don't have to, right? Right. So there's still some choice for the consumer to say, you know, if my job starts at five in the morning, then realistically, I will need my car to charge at, you know, maybe times when other people don't. So, you know, still having some sort of say over when you can charge. But like you you mentioned, there there probably will be incentives for people to to opt in. Yeah. And, and, and the idea is basically, you know, this kind of thing that we're familiar now with of like flattening the curve, right? We have this amount of energy that we can push through the grid or this amount of power. And if we can make people adapt so they don't go over this, we don't need to provide more power. So we can make it more efficient by just making sure that the amount of power that we, we have is used throughout the day and doesn't go through peaks and valley as much as, as they, they do. So do you think our current grid could handle if everybody were driving EVs, We j- if we just changed our charging habits or just usage habits? Well, I, I don't think our grid can currently um, handle all of us getting EVs and charging them at the same time. So, right. Um, we we showed in our study that just based on our sample, if, if we increase the number of vehicles um, in Calgary of EVs in in Calgary to two hundred thousand, that requires an increase of about six percent of the total energy um, the total energy that is provided now in Alberta. And two hundred thousand vehicles is not a lot. Alberta has over three million. Right. Registered vehicles. So that's just the beginning, right? So if if we're not going to do anything and 
all of us were going to buy EVs and come home at five o'clock and start charging them mm-hmm. because we don't have any incentives to charge it later at night, we will be in, in trouble for sure. And consider also that um, the, the distribution of who buys electric vehicles is not uniform. So not, you know, urban cities have a lot more um, EVs than, than rural Alberta right, right. now. And within the city, because it's relatively expensive, high-income um, neighborhoods also have uh, high-income neighborhoods also have a higher percentage of EV. So you can see where it's going, where a high-income neighborhood will all of a sudden have like 50% of vehicles that will be EV. This is going to definitely create a problem. Interesting. So currently, though, we, at least in Alberta, we're not utilizing that technology where people can just plug in and, um, you know, say... Tell their chargers, I don't want you to use any electricity until two in the morning. So what can people be doing now? Is it just sort of becoming aware of the information? Because like you mentioned, people come home from work and they just plug in their cars and they don't think about it after that. So is it just educating people and and, and just making them aware that if they changed their usage habits slightly, that could relieve a lot of the burden on the grid? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the first steps. Um, what what I was saying in the in the article is that it's not really easy to get information about what's happening on the grid right now. You kind of have to dig in with um, on on the web and find this information. But but it is information that could be easily available to people. The extra complication that um, we have in Alberta is we're generating a lot of our electricity from emitting sources like natural gas. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough for us to say, okay, let's just incentivize people to start charging at 2 in the morning because if it's 2 in the morning, all our electricity is coming from natural gas and coal. Coal is a very small percentage and eventually going to go away, but it still, um, it still exists and still provides some of our electricity. But if we just tell people just charge at night when there's no when the demand is low, but the emission sources are high, it's not really a good solution. What we need to do is somehow incentivize people to charge when renewables are high and demand is low. Right. So basically, we need a better way of getting this information out to people. Yeah. Like imagine, you know. Regardless of incentives, imagine, you know, people like like me, for example, that are really interested in, you know, renewables. If I had on my on my phone an app that shows right now there's a lot of solar power powering the grid. And, you know, if you can start your dishwasher or start charging your EV right now, this is going to be really useful because you're not going to do it when natural gas powers the grid. And that information could be available to anybody. There are lots of places in the world that this information is available. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for sharing that information with us. I I think I learned a lot today, and I think our listeners will definitely say that they learned a lot from, from your interview. Thank you. So before you go, though, I do want to ask a question that I ask all of my guests. And it's, what are you most excited for when it comes to the future of transportation? Yeah, I, I like this question. 
I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited about um, EV and how this will affect the grid and how we start talking about demand and supply and what we need to do about that because I think this will open up the gate for um, basically doing things that are way more efficient um, for electricity usage. So this is what we talked about is true for EV, but the grid doesn't care if it's your EV or your dishwasher or your washing machine. It's all electricity. So at the end of the war, at the end of the day, that could kind of open the gate to um, demand response that includes a lot of things in your house, which I'm excited about. So lots of companies are thinking about that. Lots of companies are doing stuff that will tell you, you know, you can put something on your on your um, um, box, on your electricity box, and it will tell you what you what you using and how much you using from where, which appliances. So I, I'm very excited about this in terms of, of EV and transportation. I do think that um, in terms of transportation, it's a little bit too bad that we kind of narrow in our focus on EV because there is going to be a huge shift in, in transform, transportation. And this huge shift could be from like going from our, our gas car to EVs but in a way, it would have been a lot, a lot better if we kind of looked at this broader picture of transportation and thought, okay, this is an opportunity for us to do something better. And at least for me, better would have been, you know, focusing on on different kind of transportation, like public transportation mm. and and bike infrastructure, and and things that I believe will increase the the quality of our of our life in our cities a lot more than just shifting from from gas cars to um, electric vehicles. Right. Um, so I'm excited about that. I I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of work, a lot of work being done on on electric vehicle, and hopefully some of this will will include other other forms of transportation. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. I really appreciated it. Um, I, like I said, we learned so much from talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we had this conversation. I hope you enjoyed my conversations with Chris from Epcor and Aviv. So please make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you prefer to get your podcast and we'll have new episodes out on Monday. So if you're subscribed, you'll never miss an episode. And if you want to get in touch with us, shoot us an email at community at ama.ab.ca. Talk to you next week. Bye.